a good week so far? Who's had a good week so far? All right, who hasn't? No one's going to complain, huh? Because we talked about complaining. We're going to talk about doubt tonight. What we're doing is we are looking through the children of Israel, their passage through the wilderness. They have come to different places, and what we see is an, an attitude, a negative attitude that they have. And the reality is it's probably we can find those same attitudes in our lives this time. How many of you ever had a critical attitude before? Yeah. How many of you have ever had a, what's another attitude we talked about? What is it? Covetousness. Yeah. How many of you ever coveted something before? Yeah. We all have. And so what we have to do is we have to identify it. And what we have to understand is this, when we see those things and those things are revealed through Scripture, we have to see them like God sees them, and God sees them as sin. It's wrong. And then the responsibility then is to ask for forgiveness, root those out of our lives, but not to leave this hole, because you know what happens when, even when we identify it, we realize it's sin, we see how God sees it, and there's this hole left in our lives. If we're not careful, it can easily creep back in, because those attitudes that we have, they're so natural for us as humans. And so what we have to do then is choose to fill that then with a, the right attitude, right? The right attitude. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking each week. I think we're probably in week, I don't know. What week are we in? Does anybody know? Does anybody care? Uh, we, week seven, is it? And so we've seen three wrong attitudes, three right attitudes. We're going to look at a new attitude here, the attitude of doubt. Now, how, how many of you have ever doubted before in your life? Isn't that one of those things we can just struggle with? The children of Israel, Numbers chapter 13, if you'll turn there, and also Deuteronomy chapter number one, we're going to look at the children of Israel again, and we're going to see this attitude of doubt. And we're going to see how it affects our relationship with the Lord and why it's wrong. Next week, we are going to look at an attitude. What would you think if our attitude this week, we're looking at doubt, what do you think next week's going to be? Faith, faith, faith. We're going to look at replacing doubt with faith. And so I pray this is a help to us today. And if you only come every other week, you're going to say this. Boy, pastor has been negative over this series. That's because you're only hitting every other week. We're only hearing, hearing the negative one. The, or you might say this, he's positive. He's a positive guy. And that's because you're only coming on the positive ones. And we want to have a good balance here. Okay, and so this evening, this evening in Numbers chapter 13, we're going to find a story of doubt. Doubt is the absence of faith. Doubt is the absence of faith. If you, let's, I guess first, let's just see a definition of what doubt would be. Doubt would be the absence of faith. Not believing what God says is true. Doubt is a lack of confidence or assurance that God will keep his promises. How many of you say this? I believe in my heart that God is going to keep every promise in his word. Just say amen to that. Amen. You believe that? 
How many of us, and don't say anything because we'd have to say, oh me, how many of you, you say amen to that? I believe that, but there's been times in your life that you've doubted that. You doubted it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says this, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. His word says it, and tonight we would say, I agree on that. God has promised to supply. Have you ever gotten to a place in your life where you needed God to supply and you weren't quite sure if he was going to? You see, doubt's the opposite of faith. Isaiah 54, 17 says this, no weapons, that, just the first part of that verse, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Isn't that a wonderful verse? God promised to what? Protect. Have you ever needed that protection in your life and came at a place where you doubted that? You see, we know God says, I'm going to supply. We know he says, I'm going to protect. In Psalm 84, 11, the Bible says this, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord God will, will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. You know what God promises there? To prosper. You ever get to a place where you needed something? Now, I, I want to, um, let me just say this on when we say prosper and the Lord says supply, that's not always financial. Be careful, and I, I say this a lot, and I say this a lot on purpose. Be careful of the prosperity gospel preachers. Oh, yeah, God is going to give you everything. Prospering in the Bible isn't always financially prospering. I'm not saying at times that God's not going to bless you financially. But prospering is in your soul as well. Prospering is emotionally as well. What psalmist here is saying, the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord God will give you grace and glory. Prospering is this, being in a place in your life where you're, it feels like it's hopeless and things are wrong and God gives grace. He prospers us with his grace and his mercy. And so here we find in Philippians 4.19, God promised to supply. We find in Isaiah 54.17, God promised to protect. We find in Psalms 84.11 that God promises to prosper. No good thing will we, he withhold. That means simply this, whatever is needed emotionally, spiritually, physically in our lives, God's not going to withhold it from us. He's promised to prosper us to those that walk uprightly. And so we find promises in God's word. Do you agree with that? Do you agree? And, and this, is just, this is just three, and we could spend all night looking at those promises, and we will next week look at faith. But we believe that God said, I'm going to supply. In Joshua 1.8, would you um, hold your place in numbers? We're not leaving numbers or Deuteronomy chapter 1, but I... I want you to see in the book of Joshua. Would you go there? Joshua chapter 1. In verse number 8 of Joshua chapter number 1. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou... Thy, thy, uh, shalt thou Make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So we believe what God says. We dwell in what God says. God makes these promises. 
But you know what happens to every person? And if, if you have ever had doubt in your heart, in your life, I want you to first of all note this. You're not odd or peculiar. It's normal for Christians. Because we, we're human and we still face difficulties in life. We doubt. Numbers chapter number 13, would you look there with me in verse number 1. Numbers 13, verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Now, I love this verse because what does he say already? Which I what? Give. Has God already in his mind given it to Israel? It's already theirs. He says, I'm going to give this to Israel. I want you to do this. Of every tribe of their father shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. What God asked them to do is not just anybody. I want you to take the, the best of the tribes, a ruler among them. This should be somebody that is believing in God. This should be somebody that their faith is strong. This wasn't just, just grab somebody from the tribe that has nothing else to do. Grab the loser that doesn't have a job. No, this is like, grab the, the leaders of leaders, the, the, the rulers among them, and Moses, by commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Pran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. These were faithful men. The, these were men that people looked up to. These were men that people trusted. And these are the ones that God said, I want you to send the best out. Look with me in Deuteronomy. Would you just keep your place in Numbers? We're going to be in Numbers, but look with me in Deuteronomy. Don't, don't lose your place in either of those two books, okay? We're going to be in other scriptures. Put a candy wrapper or something in Numbers and Deuteronomy. Numbers chapter number, Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, chapter number one, verse number 20. And I said unto you, you are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Moses is saying, we're here at this mount. We're going to look out and we're going to see what God has already given us. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it. As the Lord God thy fathers hath said unto thee, fear not, neither be discouraged. Look with me in verse number 26. Would you do that? Notwithstanding, you would not go up. He, he said, God has supplied this land. He's promised. In God's mind, in God's plan, this was already yours. All you had to do is trust him by faith to take this. But you doubted. Look, look what he says. You would not go up, but rebelled. Look what God calls doubting. You rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. Because you lacked faith, you rebelled against God. And you murmured, and we, we looked at that. You murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us. Do you see what doubt does? Doubt brings you to a place where you have the wrong opinion of what God thinks of you. Well, he does this because he doesn't like me. He does this because I must have done something wrong to, to cause him to hate me. Let me ask you this. Did God hate the children of Israel? Did he bring them out of Egypt in bondage because he hated them? 
He, he said this, I want to make a people that will honor me and love me and serve me so that all the nations of the earth will know that I am God. He brought them out of Egypt so that he could be a testimony to the, all the world. And because of their lack of faith, they think that God has now hated us. He hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. And look at number 30, verse number 32. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. You doubted what God was saying. Now I believe this. God has a plan. God has a desire. God has something. Each and every single person, his children, he has a plan for your life specific to you. His plan would include you serving him. His plan would include he supplies for you. His plan would include he protects you. His plan would include all of those things. We either are going to believe what he has or we are going to doubt what he has. But I want you to understand this. God has a plan, and I want you to write this down, if you would, please. Number one, as we get into this, I think I'm going to give you four thoughts. So number one, God places regular tests of faith in front of his children. God places regular tests of faith in front of his children. You say, why am I going through this testing? Because God places regular tests of faith in front of his children. We're going to, we're going to look at why he does this. When you get saved, God will test your faith. He will do things in your life that cause you to trust him. I want you to think about this. The children of Israel, up to this place, they've seen the ten plagues. How many of you would say this? If I witnessed the ten plagues, I don't think I'd ever question God again. They witnessed the Red Sea parting. They came to the Red Sea. There was no place to go. Pharaoh's army was behind them, and they watched the Red Sea part. How many of you would say this? Forget the plagues, all right? If I ever got to the Red Sea and saw the walls of the Red Sea and walk over on dry land, I would never question God's protection of me ever again. They came to a rock, and they were thirsty, and rock came out of, uh, water came out of a rock. They walked out of their tent, and they were hungry, and they picked up this manna that wasn't there the night before, but every single day they walked out of their tent, there was food in front of them. Isn't that an awesome thing? Guys, quit, would you, could you imagine like getting out of bed, stepping on the floor, and there's food, right? Breakfast every morning is there. Angels made it. Hungry, and you're fed. Every night, could you imagine sitting out with your children in the desert, just rehashing the stories of God's deliverance, and your kids say, Dad, that pillar of fire, it's here again every single night. What is it? It's God's protection. It's God's protection for us tonight. It's not only God's protection, it also reminds us every single night that God is there, that he's with us. This is what they've seen so far. This is what God has done so far in the lives of the, the children of Israel. 
Every day, our question to answer is this, are we going to trust God? Every single day, our question to answer is this, are we going to trust God? Listen, hear me please. God is going to allow trials. He's going to allow things into your life that, that, that causes you to have to trust him. I, sometimes I think the devil gets more credit than he deserves. Because anytime something happens in our life we don't like, we blame the devil. Got a flat tire, the devil's after me. No, you ran over a nail. It had nothing to do with the devil. It's like he walks around with like a, a nail at night. What Christian am I going to hammer this into their tire? He doesn't even know your car exists. I mean, we blame the devil like, like he's doing something, and boy, if it wasn't for the devil, I'd have a good life. Listen, some things that God is allowing in your life, he's allowing those things in your life because he wants your faith to grow. It has nothing to do with the devil. If we don't realize that, what happens? We just dismiss those things. We need to, every day we wake up, the question that needs to be answered is this, are you going to trust God? Before you get the news that you think is going to devastate you, how do I handle that? Before the news comes, you answer the question, am I going to trust God? What would have helped the Israelites here? Well, the same thing I think would help us, to rehearse daily the blessings of God from the past and decide before we even begin our day, am I going to trust him today? Don't decide after the testing comes. Decide before the testing comes. The children of Israel, what they should have done instead of doubt in this situation, they should have said this, let's rehearse all that God has done. And now as we face whatever today is going to bring, the same God we trusted yesterday is the same God that we're going to trust today. And I want you to write this down. I get, uh, I get people complaining at me um, not complaining. I get suggestions of people. It would help me better if you would give outline forms. And so Roman numeral one was God places regular test of faith in, in front of his children. Letter A, faith is a choice. Faith is a choice. I don't know if it helps you better if I say letter A, but faith is a choice. You choose today to have faith or you choose to doubt. The children of Israel here in this passage of Scripture, they chose to doubt God. They chose. We are so used to fear. We're so used to anxiety. If we're not careful, we're so used to misery. But we, we must choose to have faith. And that is this. I choose today to believe God's promises. You have to make that choice every day. The children of Israel, when it came to the Passover, they had to make the choice. When, when, the, when, when the choice was given, you have to take the, the blood and you have to apply it to the, the, your, your door. And, and, and if you don't, the, when the, pass, the, the death angel comes, the firstborn's going to die. You know what they had to do? They had to choose by faith that what God said was true. And those that did it, guess what they found? That God's word is true. They had to exercise faith. 
Exercising faith means this. I'm going to on purpose choose to believe what God said is true. And when God said to the children of Israel, this land that I've already given to you, you know what that means? It's yours. How, did, how could they make it theirs? By just trusting in God. Faith is a choice. Letter B. See, we're moving right along here. We're already on letter B of number one, and I only have four points. Faith. Hush back there. Faith. I don't know what he said, but I know who said it, and so I know (laughs) it must not be good. Faith is not a part of the Christian life. You say, what? Are you teaching heresy? It's the whole thing. Faith is not a part of the Christian life. It's the whole thing. Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith it's impossible to please God. It's not a part of your Christian life. It is your Christian life. You can't live a Christian life without faith. The Israelites couldn't live a victorious life in the wilderness without faith. You have to believe that what God says is true. It's not, well, today I believe God, tomorrow I don't. You can't live the victorious, you can't live the Christian life without faith. It's every day believing that God, what he said, is true. Ephesians 2.8. Ephesians 2.8. Let, uh, let me run there. Would you run there with me? Let's look in the, old, the New Testament. Keep your place in numbers in Deuteronomy. Did I tell you that already? Ephesians 2.8. We're going to find what Paul says. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. Colossians, Colossians chapter number 2, verse 6. Would you go there? Just a few, few pages over. Colossians 2, 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. I want to say this. Hebrews 11.6 says the way to please God is by faith. Ephesians 2.8 says this. The way to come to God is by faith. In Colossians 2.6, the way to grow in God is faith. Faith is required to Christian life. There's no aspect of the Christian life that doesn't require faith. It's faith that's needed to please God. It's faith that's needed to come to God. It's faith that's needed to grow in God. Faith is required. So therefore, faith is not a part of the Christian life. It is the whole thing. When you, um, I found this little statement. When you bump a person, they spill what they're full of. And when our lives at time gets bumped, you know what comes out, what you're full of. Every one of us are going to get bumped. Every one of us at some point in our life, in our Christian walk, we're going to go through rocky times. Every one of us are going to come to a place, Scott, that in our life we get moved. And whatever you're full of is going to come out. If you're full of doubt, you know what's going to come out? doubt. If you're full of faith, you know what's going to come out? Faith. You have that choice, though, that you have to make. I want you to write this down. Number two, Roman numeral two. 
The circumstances of life will shrink or stretch your faith. The circumstances of life, they will either shrink or stretch your faith. What was God doing in the life of the Israelites here? His goal was to stretch their faith. Your faith can only be stretched if it is what? Stretched. It can't grow if it's not stretched. You ever have a, you ever have a tight muscle in your leg? Anybody ever have a tight muscle in your leg? How do you get that muscle from being untight? You got to what? Stretch it. You got to stretch it. I'll say to somebody, boy, I'm really tight right here. Well, go over the steps and, and do this at the steps. I don't want to do that. It hurts. I just want my pain to go away. Isn't there a way? Isn't there like a pill I could take? Isn't there something I can do where I don't have to hurt to grow? Faith requires stretching. Faith is not, uh, or, or the circumstance, number two, the circumstance of life will either shrink or stretch your faith. We'll go back to Numbers, Numbers 13, and let's look at verse number 17 now, okay? We'll look at more of this story. Numbers chapter 13, verse number 17 says this, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountains. And do what? Look with me in verse number 18 and see the land, which, what it is. The people that dwelleth there, and whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And, and, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities that they be that dwell in, whether the tents or they have strongholds. Verse number 20, and, and, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage, he says. And bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time, the time was the time of the first striped grapes. You know what God did? God brought them into that last portion of verse number 20. You read there, and sometimes you read the Bible, like what does that have to do with anything? What God did is God brought them into the land when the land was plentiful. God brought them into the time of the land. They're going in. Tell us what, a, what this land is about. They don't know. They, they didn't have Google Earth. They didn't have encyclopedias. They didn't have the internet. Let's pull this stuff up and see what it looks like. My wife and I went to Israel, and I saw every single place in Israel that we visited before we got there. I wasn't impressed. I'm like, I already saw that. Everyone that knew I was going that had been to Israel, they ruined the trip. They said, Here, here's pictures, here's books. They ruined it. I got there, and I'm like, that actually looks better in the picture. <laughs> I saw it all. They didn't have that opportunity. They said, go spy this out. Go look and, 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 and see what this looks like. And God brought them at a time when there was blessings. All right, that's important to see. Look back to Deuteronomy chapter number 1. Would you look there with me in verse number 29? 
He's just rehearsing this. He says in verse number 29, Moses, Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, in verse number 30, The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that ye did for you in Egypt before your eyes, and in the wilderness where thou hast seen how the, that the Lord thy God bare thee. A, a man doth bear his son in all the, all the ways that you went until you came into this place. He, he's saying, what you're going to see, matter of fact, don't even be concerned of what you're going to see. Just be concerned that God has already promised to give you what he's going, you're going to see. What Moses was saying there in Deuteronomy is this. You've seen God be faithful. Remember it again as you go into the next chapter of your life. Listen, every single one of this, this evening, how do, I, how do I get rid of doubt? How, how do I keep that from coming up? Always remember what God has done. So often, if we're not careful, we forget the blessings of God. And, and we just get full of, of, of stress and anxiety, and we look at the obstacles, and, and, and the obstacles are there. But even when the obstacles are there, you've got to remember who God is. You've got to remember the plagues, the Red Sea, the, the manna, the water from the rock. Remember the, remember the, the things that you've rehearsed. You know, I, I think of the times that I've encouraged my children to remember God's blessings. And then I get to that place... And I'm upset. I doubt. I'll use their stress or their anxiety, their struggle they're dealing with to, to just remember, remember. Remember when God did that? Remember when God supplied there? I, 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 we were praying, I, and I forget what, what child it was, but they were wanting something. And I remember, I remember praying with them, and it was either to go to camp or I think it was Kaylee, actually, right? Praying, to, praying that God would supply. Now, we said to her, we're not going to give you the money. We don't have the money. And she didn't have, the, didn't have the money, and she didn't have a job. She was too young to work. And, and, and um, the reality was this. It looked impossible. And I remember Michelle saying to her, was it Kaylee? I remember, I remember she saying to one of the kids, let's just pray and ask God. And they prayed. And it was after that, just a few days or so after that, someone came up to her and said, Kaylee, I need a babysitter. Do you babysit? And she was like, uh, yeah. Do you pay? You know? She didn't ask that. God, through a miraculous way, supplied the exact needs what they needed to do the thing that they asked God to do. It was such a great learning experience now to be able to say, but you know what? Since that time, something bigger, something different, something more has come in. It could be a struggle with the peer. It could be a situation at school. It could be whatever it may be. There's been other times that um, when I walk in a room and, and they're crying, I just say, Michelle, your daughter needs you. <laughs> and Michelle will deal with them. And, and it's another, well, we need God to fix this. And what a wonderful thing it is to, to continue to remember. Remember when you prayed 
and God answered that prayer, like, when you were praying, it was, I believe, God, you could do this, but I don't know how you're going to do this. And God did it. We, we need to remember those things in our life. And I want you to just this right now as we're, as we're in this lesson, would you just right now in your heart think of something that God did for you? Would you just do that? Just rehearse that in your mind right now. Something God did. A desire you had or he protected you or he supplied. Think of that. And I want you to think of a trial you're going through now. A struggle you're dealing with. A problem you have. And this is what I want you to say right now in your heart. God, you did it then. You're going to do it now. And I want you to remember that. You see, because the children of Israel failed to remember what God said he was going to do. They go into this promised land, and this is the same for them, and the same would be for us. What you see will make you doubt God can, or what you see will cause you to remember that God will. And so right now, that struggle you're dealing with in your life right now, you are either going to say, God, this is too big and I'm doubting it, or you can look at it and say, you know what, God? You did it then. He's going to do it now. The, one of the greatest joys of, of pastoring is I, I love, I love when people tell me that God has blessed them. I love it. The truth is at times I think I enjoy God blessing other people than even blessing me at times. And my wife says, hold on now, I Use a few, but I love it when people say, I am, uh, Josh, Josh, can I use you as an example, Josh? Last year, they were really, really needing a, a vehicle. Their vehicle broke. And, and it was one of those, I don't know what we're going to do. God already had it figured out. He, God put it on the heart of somebody else to buy them a vehicle. Just recently, I don't even know if I could name it all, all the things that broke. When, when, when a church member texts you at like 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning and says, do you know a good plumber? That's not a good day. I can just already tell I'm, I'm thinking, oh, no. There were numerous things that, that happened in their life. And out of the blue, coincidence, Someone said to Josh and his wife, hey, we just want to be a blessing with you. Here's $2,000. Oh, that pays for this, and that paid for this problem, that paid for this problem, that paid for this. God supplies. He does those things to stretch our faith. It can either, the problem can either stretch your faith or the problem can, can shrink your faith. But what you see, what you see is either going to cause you to doubt God or it's going to cause you to say, God, you can do this again. 
I remember Jacob when Jacob was born. We were we were we we were one of those young couples that believe all all you have to have is love and, and you're gonna have a great marriage. Like we we got married young and we had a we had the plan. We're gonna wait five years to have kids. I mean you had your plan. And um um we I think we waited five days in order to have kids. And um, we were married, and Jacob was coming. And um, it was, it was uh, obviously our first kid, and, and, and he was stubborn, and, and she was time to go in to have him, and it was early, and, and she was in a lot of pain because of how he was positioned. And, and he was early, and so we were concerned, and she was in labor a long time, and, and um, um, it was bad. It was so bad that in the middle of it all, Sears was having a sale on tools. I just left and went over to see if there was a tool I could buy to help her with this. That's not, I'm not exaggerating. She called me and said, come here. They, they got it figured out. But Jacob was born, and um, he was born early, in, in um, probably even earlier than we thought he was, and I remember we we you know we watched uh, we went to Lamaze classes and they make everything is just so fuzzy and warm you know and this is what's going to happen the baby's going to be you're going to breathe together you're going to be in this thing together um, and I told you before I, I we went through this Lamaze class and, and I didn't pay much attention but then when I got to it I, I remembered this so I got down with Michelle I'm like all right we're going to breathe she looked at me it was the most demonic look I've ever seen she said. <laughs> Get out of my face, even if it wasn't even her voice. And I sat, I said, fine, I'm going to sit over here in the corner. I'm going to breathe over here myself. And, and so it was a tough labor. And, but I remember like these videos we saw, like the baby's born and it's cute. And, and, and there's like butterflies in the, in, you know, and angelic beings floating around. And, and the mom takes the baby. They lay the baby on the mom's chest and they, they kiss and, and hug. And the baby just, you know, you know, all that, whatever they do. And that didn't happen for it didn't happen for us. They took the baby, and when Jacob was born, he looked like an alien. He did. I mean, every everybody else everybody else says how cute their baby was. Ours he wasn't he wasn't cute. It was like somebody rubbed him with cream cheese. I mean, he was the most ugly baby I've ever seen before. He wasn't breathing. He was making very strange. He's he's handsome now. We love him now, but. It wasn't good in the beginning. Um, and, 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 and instead of him being born and they placing him on a very concerned mother who wants to see her child, they took him. And, 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 and I, Michelle's like, what's going on? I said, I don't know. They took, they took Jacob. And, and, and she said, I said, he's ugly. There's no way anybody else wants him. They'll give, they'll give him back, I, I'm sure. And, and he couldn't. He couldn't breathe, and he was kind of like, um, you know, I can't even make the sound. It was really, it was really bad. And, and then the, I said to the nurse, I said, can, can we see him? She said, not, not right now. And, and wouldn't even let me get near him. They're hooking things up and, and like, spanking him and, and doing weird stuff. And I'm like, this isn't what the video showed me that was going to happen. And the whole time, here's Michelle. And she's like, bring him here. And I said, they won't let me. And they took him, and, and, and then they said, yeah, we're going to have to take him. We're going to have to do some tests on him. 
And we're like, but that's not the plan. Like we, he was supposed to, he was supposed to be born and look human and and be laid on Michelle's chest, and they were supposed to like fall in love with each other. And he's not human, and he's not, you know, he's not breathing, and and he's not there. And he's, and I remember her. She'd say, "Go find out what's going on." And I'd go to the, I'd go to the nursery, and I'm like peeking in the nursery trying to find, you know, this cream cheese baby, you know. And I'm like, "Where's our son?" And they would say, "He, he, we're doing some tests. He, he." He's born early, he's not breathing right, he has some respiratory issues. And I remember coming back to Michelle, and Michelle was like, just bring me Jacob. I didn't even have a name, I don't even know if we had, bring me E.T., bring that boy back here. Um, I wanna see him. And, and, and the, longer this, the longer this went on, okay, is this our son, or is this the story someone told me to, no, this is our son, really. But I remember he was gone for about four hours, and I, and I, remember, I, I remember that time. It could have been four days. It could have been four weeks. It could have been four years. Four hours was long enough. It was too long. And I remember standing there in that hallway saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Because right now, I, I want to doubt. Right now, I want to... Uh, Right now, I just want to say, do you even know what you're doing? Right now, I want to say to you, God, there, there's a, a mom that needs her first child. And I, I, wanted, I wanted to say all that to God, but I remember standing in that hallway saying, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe that you promised you will supply. I want to, I'm going to believe that you promised to protect. I, I'm going to believe all of those things. And I remember going back into Michelle and, and all we said was this, I guess we're just going to trust God and pray. And, and, and all of us are going to go through something in our life, and all of us, and it's not just a one-time event. I wish that that was the only thing, but since that time, there have been things that are even bigger and bigger and bigger, but you know what God did in that time of our marriage when we were just young and, and, and he needed to stretch our faith? He puts things in your life that causes you to either doubt or stretch you, shrink or stretch. When we fast forward a couple years, three years or so later after that, maybe Jacob was three, I think, almost four, we sat in a church in Cincinnati and I said to Michelle, I don't know how we're going to do this. Kaylee was three months old, and Jacob was three, three and a half or so, right? And uh, what is, she's telling the story. Almost, so he wasn't even three yet. Okay. So he wasn't even three yet, and, and so that even makes the story worse for whatever reason. But, but um, um, I remember sitting in there and, and offering a position to move from Philadelphia. I was a youth pastor there to move to this church in Cincinnati, and, and I said, well, I, I guess, well, if they pay us this, I guess we can afford to do it. And Michelle's like, really? I said, yeah, I think, I think we can do it. We're sitting on the couch in this pastor's office, and he says, oh, we were there for like a week interviewing. And, and, they, and, and then he says, well, all right, you're leaving to go home in about 15 or 20 minutes. I guess you want to know, you know, how much we're going to pay you. And I'm like, no, we get paid for this? No, I wasn't even, and, and I'm like, yeah, Michelle, finally, you know, we've been wondering all week. He says, well, 
Now, I could tell he was him hauling. I'm, I'm thinking, this isn't good. And what I said to Michelle, if we got this, then, then that's, the, that's the, but we could still make it on that. It's a bare minimum, but we could still make it on that. Like, we wouldn't be able to do anything, but, you know, we can make it. And how much less did he come in than that? It was about 10,000 less than that. And I remember saying, you want me to raise a family on that? Not out loud. Michelle looked at me. I looked at her. We got in the car. We're let, we left. And this is what we remembered. If God could take care of our needs here, he's going to do it here as well. It was another opportunity either to have our faith shrink or our faith stretched. And, and I, I won't go through and bore you with all the things now over 20 years of marriage in the ministry. I see things that, that it took this event and 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 this event. And what God does, he uses all those events and he continues to get your faith stretched so he continues to use you differently. The reality is if I didn't trust God just a year into our marriage that God would, he was good and he was in control and whatever he decides was going to be, I'm going to trust. If I'd have fallen apart a year into our marriage into that, in that hospital room and doubted God and didn't believe that he was going to protect and keep his word, the truth is we, I wouldn't be standing here tonight. And, 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 and God puts these things in your life, and your choice is this, doubt or faith. God is going to grow your faith. You say, why didn't he just, why didn't he just send them into the promised land? Why didn't he just, it was already theirs because he was growing their faith because once they got into the promised land, you know what there was? A lot of wars a lot of fighting, a lot of depending on him. And if they couldn't depend upon him at that point, they were never going to depend upon him in the future. Write this down, number three. Doubt sees the obstacles. Faith sees the opportunities. Doubt sees the obstacles, but faith sees the opportunities. And hear me tonight, please. This, this point right here is going on in every single one of your lives and mine. You are, you are going to face obstacles. Doubt says they're obstacles, but faith says, you know what those are? Those are opportunities to see God work. Look with me in Numbers chapter 13, verse number 25. Would you go there? And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. Forty days they come back, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron to all the congregation of the children of Israel. So they gathered all these people together. They couldn't wait. You've been gone 40 days. Tell us what you found. And, and they said, we, we, we brought back word that uh, um, we, we showed them the fruit of the land. This fruit is huge. It was, it, what was the fruit? It was, the, it was the, the, the first ripe fruit, right? The grapes. Like, they were huge. They, 
they bring these back. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. And they came back with this great report, and then they, they ruined it, as, verse number 28, nevertheless. The people be strong that dwell in the land. Their doubt came in, and now they started seeing all of the obstacles. You know what? There's, there's, there's strong people, and, and um, uh, the cities are, are walled, and they're great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The children of Anak, they were giants. The children of Anak are there. Doubt, doubt is so large. I, I want to show you something that I thought was so, so interesting. If you did a little study on the children of Anak, go with me to, let me see if I can find this in my notes here real quick. Um, go with me to Joshua chapter 15, because I'm not going to get through my notes, and I want to show you this, because this was incredible to me. Joshua chapter 15. Joshua has taken him into the, into the uh, promised land, right? And he says this in verse number 15. The children of Anak, how many of you say that sounds bad, the children of Anak? It must have been huge. Right? You're with me? Like the children of Anak, say that. The children of Anak, wow. Look with me in Joshua chapter 14, or 15, verse number 14. And, 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 and um, when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him in the spirit of the Lord um, and judges. I'm sorry, Joshua. I thought, that doesn't sound right. Joshua 15. And verse number, Joshua 15, 14, and Caleb drove thence the three, the three sons of Anak. There were only three. You see what doubt does? When you doubt God, the obstacle always looks greater than it really is. There was a pastor that said this, the average pastor leaves a church because everybody's mad at him, when in reality it's seven people. The children of Israel, their doubt was so great that they said, there's giants. The, the children of Anak are there, Lindsay. I mean, the children of Anak. Three. Three. Three giants. See, what doubt does, doubt causes you to see the obstacles. The obstacles always are larger than reality. Faith says, you know what God's going to do with the children of Anak? The same thing that David, now they didn't know David yet, but the same thing that David said when the Philistines were there at the Valley of Elah and and here comes this giant Goliath. All of Israel stood in fear. And, and we, we stood at this, this uh, uh, Valley of Eli. As a matter of fact, I picked up um, some, some rocks. I picked up five rocks when I was there in Israel. One of them had blood on it, but, but I'm not sure what that one was from. But, but we, we, we picked up five rocks, and, and I brought them back. And it was a reminder that one giant had the entire Israelite army in bondage and fear. One, Goliath. Doubt sees the obstacle, faith sees the way. 
Doubt sees the darkest night, faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step, faith soars on high. Doubt questions who faith answers I. You see, what happens is this. When you see, instead of the obstacle, you see the opportunities. You see the awesomeness of God when you stand in faith. So many of us, maybe we don't see the part in the areas that God wants us to see of himself because what we're seeing is the obstacle instead of seeing the opportunity. Every single trial that God brings into your life, it's an opportunity for you to see who God is. It's an opportunity for him to supply. It's an opportunity for him to show you his promises are sure. Or it's an opportunity to doubt. And my time is done, but, but my question then would be this. Do you trust God? Do you trust him? If you trust him, then the choice that we have is faith. Do I trust him? then the choice is faith, not doubt. Father, thank you for this 